Attention Dallas, a new rogue signal is coming in from the mutant district of the planet Geekery. You are needed to analyze and categorize this signal. Oh man, Glicks, I just got a working taco machine. I'm trying to get it set up, ready to go before I take it up to the spaceship. But so that, you know, and, and, and secure it in. So John doesn't freak out about getting a hot dog instead of a taco. And so I stopped losing my taco machine. So I, I don't have time for this, Glicks. I need some help. Understood. Now obtaining a skilled crew member to help you with this project. Okay, how'd I get here? Where hey. Wait, what's up, buddy? I'm. Am I off the space station? Yes, Branson, you're off the space station. Later, I'm out of here. <laughs> Where are you going? We're on the planet Geekery. Oh, right, right. I still have a tracker on my ankle, don't I? I mean, it's fine. It's whatever. It's not actually real. You tell me this now? Yeah. <sighs> Kevin got bored and he took a Sharpie and put a little dot on your ankle. That's all that is. Seriously? Yeah, that's all that is. Uh, <laughs> Since you're here. <laughs> okay, well, fine. Since I'm here. Since you're here. What's up? If, if you can help me out. Uh, Glix is getting some rogue signal. Um, Something strange. It looks like, mm, I don't know, something with X-Men. Um, X-Men. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, come from the mutant district. So um, okay. if you don't mind hanging out and we're going to uh, analyze this, I'm thinking tbs style bottom shelf style i like it sounds let's, good let's do it all right glicks what is going on we are receiving a signal from a new area on the planet Geekery. all right let's see what the planet has for us today opening forms in three two one Hello, Devoted Geeks, and welcome to ComTalk, the podcast extension of Geek Devotions, a show from Devoted Geeks who are devoted to letting you know that you are loved. I'm Dallas, and I'm so glad you hit the play button today where you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hey, welcome to the show. This is episode 130, or yeah, no, 131. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. I Wear Tights and Sing About It All Day Long in the Forest. <laughs> some things you never live down listen <laughs> children if you make bad decisions they will haunt you for the rest of your life hey 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 you got the part in the play <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen branson's on board the ship with me today out here on the planet geekery and uh branson we have a job to do today sir Yes, we do. And we're going to be reviewing a a, a short little show um, that is um, hard to find, apparently. Uh, it's, it's in the Etheret, and it is called <laughs> Pride of the X-Men. Yes, yes, yes. And so what Bryce and I are going to do is we're going to review this. And uh, in, in case you guys don't know, we have another show here uh, through the Geek Devotions Network called The Bottom Shelf. And where we review terrible movies. And um, Branson and I are going to review this in that fashion. And then on the back end, we're going to talk about some uh, other aspects of the show. I do want to point out that technically this doesn't qualify as a terrible movie. 
because I really wanted show. it to so we could re- review it on the other show. <laughs> but the Metacritic rating was too high. So right. We had to do right. it on Comtalk, but that's okay. <laughs> it happens. It's all right. It's a thing. It's a thing. So, <laughs> all right. Well, let's jump into it. And so, first thing off, we're looking at Pride of the X Men uh, from 1989. Am I reading that right, Branson? Yes, 1989. 1989. Branson, you were like, what, six, five? I was five. Five? Cool. Yes. I was four i think i was four at that point and at That's this point possible because you're older than me no you're older than me no you're older than me i promise you you're older than me what year were you born 84 so was i oh your birthday's Wait. in august you're, you're older than me by like a month why did I think it was aware? Okay. Anyway, I can't math today, Branson. I'm on the drill. Okay. Look, I know I'm not that old, but you don't have to start aging me past you. Okay. I mean, it, I mean, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, Pride of the X Men. Uh, this is the this is what the the description of it is. Just as teenage mutant Kitty Pride is welcomed to the X Men, a team of mutant heroes are called into battle to prevent Magneto and his Brotherhood of Evil Mutants from crashing a comet into the Earth. Oh, dun, dun, dun. okay, Branson. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, what are your expectations going into this film? <laughs> I'm sorry, this <laughs> short show, this pilot episode, <laughs> this this short show that I wish could have been a series. Um, I have very fond memories of this show because this was my first exposure to the X Men. So you actually saw this live. When it premiered yes. originally? Wow. Yes. No, I don't know if it was like live in the sense of it was the first time it had ever come on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was very young. I either I either had not yet started school or had just started school. Right. I remember I had uh, I had woke up early to watch my Saturday morning cartoons. And I, this uh, show came on and uh, about the X-Men. And I had never heard of the X-Men before. I, mm-hmm. I was familiar with Spider-Man. I watched Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, had not yet seen the episode where the X-Men cameoed on the show. Mm-hmm. But uh, I had no clue who the X-Men were. Right. And they have this really cool theme song play. And I was captivated immediately. Wow. Uh, and, uh, and I had, uh, you know, you talk about it being hard to find. I actually had the VHS tape. Look at you, man. Uh, when I was a kid, I would watch it over and over and over and over again. It wore that uh, tape out. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, so I have, and, and you know, there's always a chance that it's nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have very, very fond memories of this show. So I expect to have a very thrilling and enjoyable time <laughs> watching this again. I am just stunned that you actually saw this pilot episode like i had no idea like that how i understand the excitement that you have about this um for me i've never seen this before i've heard it referenced yeah um i i I watch youtube videos about nerd culture and geek culture and they and people always bring up uh, when they talk about x-men there was this series called pride of the x-men once that they tried to kick off and it failed miserably and i was like okay you know it's it's the (laughs) 80s And I'm thinking about the time frame this is the, of several failed 80s cartoons. Um, yeah. I'm looking at you, RoboCop. 
I'm looking at you, uh, Toxic Avenger. I'm looking at you, um, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Um, yeah, I used to watch all these things, man. Yeah, they were one season and done, out the door. Yeah. I actually that. didn't know that RoboCop was a movie. I only knew it as a no cartoon kidding. series. Yeah, yeah. Like when I was a kid, I didn't know it was a movie. I, I had to get in high school to know that there was a RoboCop movie. <laughs> I was the other way around, and to this uh, day, I question, why did we make a cartoon out of this very R-rated movie? <laughs> because it had cop robots that could be turned into toys very easily. <laughs> I question a lot of things from the 90s, or from the yeah. 80s. Anyways, moving forward. So, but going forward for me, my expectations were, uh, you know, all right, it might be okay. Um, I don't think it was going to be terrible. Um, but I didn't foresee it being, especially knowing that it was only a pilot uh-huh. when, when, with that context of this was only a pilot, I'm like, all right, this must not have been good. Um, and so that's where I'm going with this. So, um, now before we go into the film, Branson, do you have any entertaining facts? This is normally John's part of, <laughs> of the, the bottom shelf show. Uh, I've got a couple of little factoids here. It's interesting that you mentioned RoboCop, the animated series, mm-hmm. because the funding for the pilot came from the budget for RoboCop, the animated series. Instead of making a 13th episode for the series, they reworked the funding to have Toei Animation mm. produce the animation for the pilot. Right. So that kind of makes me want to go back and watch the RoboCop cartoon to compare the animation style. Right. And that also might explain why I saw the pilot, because I used to watch the RoboCop animated series. I used to wake up and watch it. So if they retooled the budget for from RoboCop, they might have just put this in that time slot. Right. Uh, that, also, that makes sense. This episode was based off of the comics, Uncanny X-Men, numbers 129 to 139. Uh, This is going on right before the Dark Phoenix saga. Uh, So this is the second iteration of the team. Uh, Cyclops is still there, but Iceman, Beast, and Angel have... Uh, either taking a leave of absence. I don't remember plot-wise why they weren't there, but we get uh, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, Colossus. Those guys are part- Storm. This is the first yeah. time that Storm shows up. They're yeah, members of the team. The entire team dismantled pretty heavily. This has yeah. to be after Giant Side's issue because Giant Side's issue introduced all those characters, but they also introduced um, oh, what was the Native American gentleman in the oh, uh, uh, Thunderbird. Yeah, Thunderbird, and then was it Sunspot or Sunfire? The, Sunfire, the, the, the Japanese guy. Yeah, it had it had them in it. Yeah, so, interesting. So, fun fact: what we're gonna do? I'm going to read these comics, okay. and I'm gonna do a, a review on that story arc. As a, an addition to this podcast, so for those of you guys who want to check that out, check out geekdevotions.com. Um, normally, Branson's the comic book guy. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm just in the comic book mood right now. So I'm taking this from you. Sounds good. Uh, right. Especially since you're editing this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would appreciate it. Since I'm going to be editing the episode, I'll let you read the comics. Well, we're going to have a swap seize. Yeah. We're going to let me do the audio and Dallas is going to read the comics. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's funny. 
Alrighty, let me see if there's any other little factoids about the show. Uh, let's see. The video game, the X-Men arcade video game, was based off of this episode. Okay. Uh, Konami made it in 1992. I remember playing that video game. No kidding. Yes, uh, I remember playing it in the in the arcade. Uh, at the time, I would always pick Wolverine because mm-hmm. I thought, you know, Wolverine's cool. He's the cool anti-hero. I want to be Wolverine. And then, uh, did I you actually say the words anti-hero as a five-year-old? No, I'm I'm, I'm retconning the conversation okay. I had in my head. <laughs> You're reading into the situation. Okay, <laughs> right, right. I was like, you but, had a um, vocabulary, man. Your dad rocked it out, man. <laughs> Your dad's up there when you're like three years old. You're like pneumatology. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, Bobby. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I remember I, I was playing Wolverine, and I, I think I chose Nightcrawler by accident. Mm. Uh, e- either I had died and put more coins in, and chose Nightcrawler by accident, or, or something. But somehow I ended up picking Nightcrawler instead, and I used his super mega mutant ability because in the game. You had your basic attacks, but then you could use your charge-up attack was to use your mutant power. Oh, cool. And Nightcrawler teleports across the entire screen. Like, he zips across the screen and destroys everything. Oh, wow. And I was I was awed, in awe, to, to see that. And so I always played Nightcrawler after that. And I think that might have been one of the... Re- Nightcrawler is one of my favorite X-Men, if not yeah. my favorite X-Men, period. That's fair. And that might have been one of the reasons why I like him so much is because of his ability in that game. Word. I'm trying to remember. Um, so just outside of the show a little bit, uh, Celeste and I just had an opportunity to appear on a show called uh, The Rushmore Show. And oh. uh, the particular episode, we were rating our top X-Men, or our top Marvel characters. And I'm pretty sure I put Nightcrawler in my list as being one of my favorite ones. Yeah. Uh, if not, he was on my short list before I, the show started because... There is something magical about him. Oh, yeah. Like, he's such Absolutely. a great character. So I respect the, the oh, man, Nightcrawler. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and especially the way that they do him, he has such a joyful heart. Mm. Like, he's always so friendly and has so much of a reason not to be because he, he looks like a devil. Right. Like, in his origin story, he was a circus act, and, and he would be the devil of the morality play. Right. You know, and so he has so much of a reason to be bitter and to be angry, but he's not. Yeah. You know, and uh, and, and I love that about him. The, the one uh, episode of the 92 X-Men series that Nightcrawl, not the only one, but the first one where they introduce him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a lot of conversations with Wolverine about faith. Yes. Because he's a monk in a monastery. And, and what I love about that episode is at the very end, you know, throughout the whole episode, Wolverine's his usual brooding life sucks and then you die except for me because i don't die kind of thing (laughs) (laughs) and uh at the very end of the episode he's kneeling in a sanctuary reading from psalms and praying yeah and it is painted in this positive light it is a moment of peace and happiness for wolverine right as a result of of nightcrawler's conversation and you know being a christian we're always excited when when Jesus is the good guy of the story, you know, <laughs> but uh, th- that was a, a really cool moment for me as a kid to see my faith represented in a positive light in a yeah. superhero show. Absolutely. So, 
lot of reasons to like to like nightcrawler (laughs) very cool so um kind of stepping into kevin uh he's normally giving us all the some of the other details so this was uh, directed by ray lee Mm -hmm. and now in animation world that doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people um if you unless you're just snack dab in the middle of animation ray lee though branson this dude directed a lot of our childhood. Oh, really? He directed a series called Dino Riders, which was... In, I remember uh, Dino Riders. Yep. Wow, he, yeah. He directed Muppet Babies. Of course, yeah. Muppet Babies, yeah. He directed RoboCop. Okay, yeah. Jim. Oh, Jim. Wow, okay. <laughs> which explains Dazzler being around. Right. Uh, <laughs> Fraggle Rock. Found a Fraggle Rock. Oh, wow. This is my entire childhood. <laughs> The Transformers. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, G.I. Joe. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Ray Lee, that's his name? Ray Lee. And a show that I, th- I honestly was a fever dream for me. I thought, no, I thought, I tried to explain this movie to our show to people. Nobody believed me. Yeah. Defenders of the Earth. Defenders of the Earth. <laughs> It was a, you had all these old school comic book heroes, the yeah, Phantom, like, Flash Gordon. Yes. All in one comic and one thing. Yeah. And nobody, nobody believed me. <laughs> this was a thing. So he did it. And then the art yeah. was done by several people. Uh, one was a guy named Rick uh, Hoberg, who worked on RoboCop and Defenders of the Earth and Wildcats. Wildcats. Yeah. Okay. You know that makes so much sense. You have Larry Houston who worked on RoboCop also, but also worked on Captain Planet. Oh, nice. The 1990s X Men. Okay. Yeah. And the 1990s Fantastic Four cartoon. Oh, the one with the really cool theme song. Yeah. Yeah. The the wonderfully 90s theme song that <laughs> I still 90s. sing sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, then another artist that's uh, a credit to this is a guy named uh, Will Mino, Minoy. And if you're listening, first off, thank you for listening. And uh, second <laughs> off, I apologize for butchering your name. But he worked on Spider-Man Unlimited. Oh, wow. I love that series. X-Men Evolution. That, that's another good one. The Incredible Hulk cartoon. Oh, wow. Silver Surfer cartoon. Oh my underrated. gosh. Yes, yes. And uh several others, but one that I think you might like. I don't know. You may not care about this whatsoever. Uh Zorro. The Zorro cartoon? Yes. Oh my gosh, I haven't thought about that in years. Ladies and gentlemen, Brent's to... brain just exploded. <laughs> Okay, so I think I understand why I like this show so much when I was a kid, because it was the precursor to everything. <laughs> everything, apparently. All right. Oh, my gosh. So some just interesting facts about what's going on here. Um, there's a lot going into this. So we're going to go into the viewing room. Uh, we don't have the, the big uh, spacious one that we have up on the spaceship, Branson. Oh, okay. Uh, so we're gonna have to do this one here, uh, okay. but let's uh, let's uh, let's roll in here, and uh, I think there's a cereal dispenser over here. So let's grab ourselves oh. a bowl of cereal I, and I enjoy cereal. this uh, Saturday morning cartoon from your childhood. It'll be a nice change from the taco hot dog 
sandwich, whatever it is we have up there right now. That's about to get jettisoned. I have a good one here. Okay, good deal. <laughs> Let's go. No place to hide. No place to run. No place to run. No place to run. No All right, ladies and gentlemen, Branson and I have just stepped out of our childhood. X-Men, X-Men. <laughs> that was, all right, we're going to get into it. So first section is the uh, the spoiler-free section. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so where we kind of talk about um, just general things about the show that we thought we liked, uh, maybe some things we didn't care for. Uh, I want to start off though, Branson with something Um, watching this. Yes. I was so transported back to 1989. The voices of all these actors were Uh so familiar. Oh yeah. Across the stinking board and i'm going why do i know that voice why do i know that voice the only voice that i was really like honing in on was the voice of kitty uh-huh. and it was bothering me because the voice fluctuated a little bit right which a couple of things and it's two things one the babies from rugrats little and phil oh wow yeah and then, um, what was her name? Was it Linka? That was the blonde from Captain Planet. Oh, yes, you're right. The the Russian girl who had water. Yeah, yeah. So that's the vo- voice actress. Wow, well, I can hear it now that you mentioned it. Yeah, like it was bothering me. So I was like, I was like, IMDb, who is this woman? And <laughs> like it fluctuated. So like I don't know if I would be. It kind of annoyed me a little bit because. I know these other voices, so I'm going, is that because I have this pretext of these? Yeah. But at the same time, it was just a, just a bit whiny. Just a bit whiny. <laughs> like, mm, yeah. Doing that a little bit, sis. I know you're yeah. freaking out. I know there's some, you know, big scary dude blowing stuff up and everything, but uh, let's just chill a little bit. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. overall, the voices, man, these were my childhood, brother. Yeah. Like, I'm like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. I was I was transported back, but then again, that might have been because I immediately went back to 1989 to when I first saw this for the first time. Right. Um, everything about this show, I love it. It feels like it is a comic book put on the screen. Mm-hmm. The the look of it. Uh, Everything that I enjoy about the X Men, the right. uh, the danger room. Well, this might be a spoiler thing, but uh, well, I'm going to go ahead and talk about it. <laughs> the danger this is the room, bottom shelf. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> the danger room. It had like mechanical parts, but it really focused heavy on the holographic side of it. Yeah, you know you felt like you were in a different area and then the hologram switched off and you saw, Oh, well that giant mutant flower is actually a robot with robot tentacles or that Aztec temple is actually a mobile metal platform. Right. I appreciated that because the original danger room, that's what it was. It was supposed to put you in different situations. It wasn't just 
a bunch of mechanical arms. Right. Uh, I, I, I liked most of the characterizations uh, of the way they portrayed the characters. Uh, Nightcrawler, Colossus, Cyclops, Professor Xavier. Uh, the attitude for Wolverine was good. The voice, not so much. Let's talk about that for a hot second, because <laughs> what the crap is happening there? When he started talking, I'm like, that's a strange, strange take. That's a choice yeah. to make. And right. then, like, and I'm sitting going, all right, is he, it's not, it doesn't sound Canadian, eh? No. Um, you know, <laughs> like it just wasn't fit for me. And I'm going, what is he doing? And I'm sitting going, you know, we're not from Canada. Now, right. We fun fact, Brian don't know. We one of our patrons is actually from Canada. Oh, okay. And there's Great. actually a small group in Canada that uses Geek Devotions as uh, small group material. So that's oh, cool. Awesome. So yeah. hello, Canadians. Um, I'm not familiar <laughs> with all of Canada, um, but the voice doesn't sound right. And then when my right. man said the word dingo, <laughs> it all came clash. And I'm like, is he supposed I to be actually... Australian? I could not tell. I mean, I could tell it was two different people talking, but if I were to just switch off the video and listen, I would have thought that it was Pyro talking instead oh, yeah. of Wolverine. Because and 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 later when we meet Pyro, mm-hmm. they talk to each other and they sound like they they, they hailed from the same village, you right? Know? So I'm not sure why they made that decision. I can't remember Wolverine ever being connected with anything australian no well and you and i talked about in the pre-show um i kind of blame spider-man yeah because spider-man is is it amazing friends or fantastic friends amazing friends amazing friends uh spidey meets up with x-men several times yeah one of those times is wolverine in the yellow suit actually yes and he's australian for a reason and I don't, yeah. I don't know why. I don't. Know and either. this was kind of a spinoff of that show. Yeah. So, like, let's just continue with him mm-hmm. being What's Australian. The, I guess now that I think about it, it's the same team members because in, in in that episode that you're talking about, there was Wolverine, Nightcrawler, uh, Storm. Uh, I can't remember if Colossus was in there or not. Mm-hmm. I have to go back and watch it now. It's been too long, but. But yeah, that that was really the. But again, this was my first exposure to X Men, so at the time I thought that was Wolverine's character. Well, let me ask you uh, this then: with that being yeah. the case, when you watched the '90s X Men, were you thrown off by his voice? Uh, no, because it was a different cast all the way around. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like they gave in the '92 X Men, they gave Storm a very proper sound like she embraced that whole african goddess right type vibe in the 89 pride of the x-men she sounds like just a regular person uh i think you know. she was a little bit more proper than just a regular person she she carried herself with a sense of authority not right. to the degree of the 90s yeah like the 90s like she was regal like yeah like <laughs> she couldn't like, do anything yes, without ma'am. making it a poem. <laughs> you <Right>? know, <laughs> it's like I summon the rage of lightning. <laughs> it's like, hey, we, I just we're making mac and cheese. Can you not? And so, <laughs> but this one, there was a she wasn't that, 
Right. But there was a authority that she carried in her voice. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, she flat out put Wolverine in her place. Oh, my gosh. You know. <laughs> now, was, is... was this during the time frame in the comics where Storm led the X-Men? I'm having a hard time placing that. I don't think so. I think she became a field commander later. If this is based off of the comics that I'm thinking of, she was relatively new to the team. Okay. Um, when did she get the Mohawk? That would have been... I'll Google days? it. You keep talking. Okay. Uh, she had the Mohawk. She had the Mohawk during uh, Secret Wars, which would have been... Mid-80s? So, in Uncanny X-Men 173, October 1983, uh, Claremont and artist Paul Smith created a new look for Storm, abandoning her old costume uh, for black leather top and pants okay. and changing her former veil of white into a punk mohawk. Yeah. Okay, so that was early 80s then. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. She led the X-Men during that time frame. Yes. When she, when she had the mohawk, she was the leader. Because I remember that being a thing uh, in Secret Wars. Mm -hmm. When she when she first came on, uh, Xavier kind of had to talk her into joining the, the team. Because uh, mm. she was sitting up on her African throne, and Xavier had to kind of convince her, hey, we need your help. Yeah. Uh, if I remember correctly. It's been a little while since I've read those comics. <laughs> I get that. But uh, Cool. Yeah. So what other spoiler-free things can we talk about? Because there's so much to talk about, I surprisingly, know, I know. for just 20 minutes. Yeah, I know. And, and I'm trying to sort through what I can talk about just in general. Let's talk about uh, the I, art. Okay, yes, the artwork. Um, I wish all of my cartoons as a, as a child were animated that well. This is this is one of the reasons why I feel like it was a comic book come to life. The mm -hmm. The muscle tone, the attention to lighting. Mm -hmm. uh, the scene where Magneto is 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 trapped in that force field and the general is sitting there talking to him and you see the glare mm -hmm. from the energy. You you can't even see his face because there's a glare, mm -hmm. but his his face is heavily shadowed. I mean, uh when when the mutants use their their powers, it, it just everything was flashes of light and sparks and so well done. Oh, so yeah. well done. I, I I think I think I can understand why the company maybe decided not to keep going with it because they may not have been able to afford anything outside of that one episode. I was thinking about was... It while you were talking, and you know, I was that was one of the things that the '90s X-Men uh, dealt with. First couple seasons, man, they were on point, and then towards the end of the franchise, of I mean, of the of the series, the art degraded because they just didn't have uh -huh. the money to throw into it anymore. Right. They put in a lot into this. It was it was visually beautiful. Yes. And uh reminded me of G.I. Joe. Uh huh. And several other things. Um I, I, I'm with you though. I think the further this long this went, it, it would have degraded. Um yeah. because it was just so, so good, man. It was. And I think that might have made it not sustainable. Mm -hmm. Uh because it I mean just everything about it I, I wish i could draw as well as <laughs> as this cartoon looked i mean right because like i said this was my first exposure to the x-men so whenever i think of the x-men 
that's the outfit I see, you know, mm -hmm. or at least before the 92 X-Men came along. Right. Um, I didn't know that that was Wolverine's second costume. I, I didn't mm -hmm. know that his yellow outfit was actually his oh, first. Oh, wow. One. Like, I thought they made the yellow outfit for the 92 show again because Pride of the X-Men was, was my first exposure. Yeah. You know, so wow. just every everything everything about this show, I just absolutely like there there were moments in the ninety two show that I would get excited about because of this show. When they introduced Colossus for the first time. Yeah, yeah. I got excited. When they introduced Nightcrawler for the first time, I got excited. <laughs> you know, um I love it. Um This is like it, a core this is a core thing for you, man. It is, it is. Uh, the the way they did Magneto. Mm -hmm. uh, to, to me, that is the most menacing he's ever looked because, you know, as much as I love the movies, one thing they've done is they've kind of turned Magneto into this frail guy because he's a Holocaust survivor. Mm -hmm. uh, but in this animation, I mean, Magneto looked ripped. Mm -hmm. Like he looked like if you if you took out his magnetic powers and got in an actual fight with him, he could still go toe to toe with you. To you be know? fair, though, Branson. um with Magneto being the character he was, I mean, you're only look at him being maybe, maybe 50. Yeah, that's true. Cause now, this was made in 89. Yeah. In the movies that you and I are, are thinking of, um, he was pushing 70, 80. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But, now the cartoons, the '90s cartoon though, he was ripped and yeah, there was something that that's something that interesting to talk about. Uh, again, I spent a lot of time trying not to judge it by the right. '90s. I wanted it to stand on its own, mm -hmm. but it was hard to do yeah. that at times because yeah. I'm going because mm, I'm I'm going that's not Xavier's voice, <laughs> that's <laughs> right. definitely not Wolverine's voice. Yeah, uh, but your point but that about voice... Magneto, Magneto did seem a little bit more menacing and more uh -huh. terrifying whereas yeah. in the 90s he seems more the menacing educate educator if you will yeah right yeah it, it, and i think part of that was and again this might be getting a little bit in the spoilers the the pacing of the plot um mm -hmm. going back and watching it with a critical eye and not the you know starry-eyed kid who likes superheroes I'm now a starry-eyed adult who likes superheroes, but I can <laughs> think rationally about, you know, things like plot and things like that. Uh, the plot did feel a little bit rushed. Like, I saw elements of it that I'm thinking that was an entire episode in 92. Right. And they spent, like, six minutes. Yeah. On the if pilot, that. You know. Yeah. Well, uh, so I think that, that Brenton. Yeah. Let's go ahead and switch to the spoiler mode. Ah, oh, thank you. So, that, cause, so you can breathe. <laughs> For those okay, of you okay. listening, Branson is like on edge, shaking, because <laughs> he's so excited about this. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we're playing the spoiler bumper from the bottom shelf now. Ladies and gentlemen, the spoiler section. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. It is time for spoilers. Branson? Yes. All right. <laughs> Oh okay. my gosh. I'm <laughs> All right. Like I was saying, the plot felt very rushed. You have right. Kitty Pride showing up to the school, meeting the X-Men. Mm -hmm. And then right off the bat, they're zipping off somewhere 
to fight Blob and Pyro. And while that's going on, Magneto and Juggernaut are attacking the school. And then as soon as that's over, they're going to Asteroid M. I mean, yes. just all over the place. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, that was an entire episode. Yes. Of the series. Like, an entire uh, couple of episodes. Yeah. Like, Juggernaut attacking the mansion mm-hmm. uh, was an episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, fighting Blob and Pyro off somewhere was an episode. And they stitched things in that, that were set up for other things. Mm-hmm. But uh, having a new X-Men come to the school, that's mm-hmm. Night of the Sentinels Part 1. Yeah. It was just Jubilee instead of Kitty Pride. That's one thing uh, that somebody had mentioned, uh, read up on, is that really there's a lot of story beats from this that were echoed heavily in the 90s X-Men. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I appreciated that, and I saw those nods. Mm-hmm. But just look at the story writing aspect. It, it, I felt like they could have stretched this out over three or four episodes. And given the, the, the thing room to breathe, I, I felt like the rushness of it kind of made Kitty Pride come off as almost bipolar, <laughs> you know, because she went from, I'm scared. I don't know what to do to, you can't tell me what to do. I'm coming on the mission anyway to, no, Nightcrawler's scary. Don't talk to me to, no, I don't want Nightcrawler to die. I mean, she right. was emotionally Everywhere. all over the place. You know, Branson, this, this it, that, this kind of boils down to though, to a conversation of target audience. Yeah. I think the target audience of the of this one, Pride of the X-Men, is a much younger target audience than X-Men the animated series. I can see and that, yeah. For sure. When you're doing that, you have to go boom, 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 boom with kid stuff. Just keep it going, rolling. Right. Very little happening there. Whereas yeah. uh, I mean it, there are there are times where it feels like as much as I love the animated series, it is a slow burn. Yeah. But it's a slow burn that builds like the whole revelation of Colossus as uh, Charles's uh, brother. That is a juggernaut. Yeah. Juggernaut. Sorry. Juggernaut as, as Charles's brother is a huge revelation. I've had the joy of watching Celeste watch the series for the first time over the last several months. Oh yeah. Cool. First time she's ever watched it. We get to that episode. She had no idea. Oh, wow. <laughs> and she goes, what? I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even better, when she found out that Nightcrawler was partially raised by Mystique. Oh, wow. She didn't know that beforehand? And so was Rogue. Yeah. She didn't know that beforehand? Wow. Or that Rogue basically comatose Miss Marvel. Wow. See, I was... See, we, we saw this in real time, so it's hard for me to imagine not knowing that. Right, but, exactly. But, now, but I remember thinking back and, and those, those revelations, like the fact that Juggernaut isn't a mutant. Yeah, he's just a he, dude. He, he, he got his powers from magic, which they touched on not at all. At all. But you but know, that's you, the thing. Huh? You, you said that about audience, and just thinking back to what we said about Magneto mm-hmm. in Pride of the X-Men, he was this menacing supervillain. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the 92 X-Men, you you got more of what Stan Lee had wanted of the, he's the bad guy who doesn't know he's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. That might be part of the reason. If they're shooting for a younger audience, kids need a bad guy who's just a bad guy. They don't yeah. want a sympathetic villain. Right. But if, but if X-Men 92, 
you know, another thing, you said a few of the people who worked on Pride of the X-Men worked on X-Men 92. I wonder if they were thinking, okay, the kids we were trying to catch in 89, they are this age now. <laughs> Let's get them now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wonder but, if that was part of the thought process. But I, I can definitely see what you're saying about the writing because there was nothing redeemable about Magneto. Mm-mm. He had his ideas, but I mean, he was willing to plow a asteroid into the planet just to prove a point. Yeah. Which I have a question about that. Okay. His big idea was throw the asteroid into the earth, mm-hmm. kill off all the humans. Right. What about the mutants? So first off, um, remember kids need a big baddie. Yeah. And I mean, think about it. All, all, every one of the cartoons we watched as kids that were, they weren't designed for people to think about the series. <laughs> okay, fair point. It was a, fair point. I'm going to destroy the world with a missile. And it was done. Yeah. Now, can, can we draw some 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 logical lines here? Yeah, he probably sitting there going, mutants will survive. Yeah. Survive, because that, that's, that's part of his whole ordeal, survival of the fittest. Right, um, right. And so he'll figure mutants will survive. Well, I'm now, just looking at the, the X-Men lineup. Of the, of the X-Men lineup, the only people that would have survived... Uh, an asteroid would have been Wolverine because of the healing factor. Mm-hmm. Maybe Colossus because he can turn himself metal and, you know, endure things. But like mm-hmm. Cyclops, you can't eye blast your way out of a. Out no, of a but apparently he can eye blast through glass and not break the glass in space, but he can hit a wall. <laughs> Did you see this moment? I had to rewind that moment, Branson. I'm sorry, going, he just shot his. His interdimensional beams through the glass, the glass visor of a astronaut suit into uh-huh. a wall, <laughs> and the glass is okay. And I'm sitting going, okay, maybe it's the same material as the glass. No, it's not because it's not red. <laughs> what is happening? But Dallas, it's a comic book show. <laughs> that was for you, Kevin. <laughs> I love you, Kevin. <laughs> yeah that that's fair. that's that's probably like you said that goes back to this is a kid's show we're not going to spend a lot of time mm-hmm. thinking about things uh and, and i think watching it now as an adult that was part of it as i was looking at it with a more critical eye i wasn't mm-hmm. you know sitting on the floor in my pajamas eating a bowl of cocoa pebbles <laughs> you know right maybe yeah. maybe i would have had a different uh viewing experience if i had <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe so um i had i have a had something that irked me um uh, and that was the sound effects of nightcrawler's bamfing oh yeah when he bamfed it was like this like magic princess sparkled sound effect was going on <laughs> it was like Doo-doo-doo. You're like, what is this? Like, bamfing. That's that's 80s, dude. <laughs> that's like know. an 80s soundboard. <laughs> I, I can find some stuff out there, man, where it was a little bit like, again, as much as we talk about the fact that, you know, he's a, he's a good guy, he's legitimately like half demon. Like, that's part of his yeah. mutations because his dad right. was was a demon. Yeah. And, and his teleportation is him traveling literally through hell. Like, that's yeah. what the is. It's a sulfur. Right. And I'm going... This should not have. 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, there and again, you know, you don't want to get into all that for a kid's show. We don't need to know that there's an X-Men who his superpower is warp travel through hell. (laughs) Well, how about this? How about let's just look at the visual of it. You are you are you are soundscaping the show, right? And you go to the point and you see go, okay, this character teleports. But when he teleports, there's a puff of smoke in each position. (laughs) Is your first thing go, let me grab a wind chime. (laughs) Well, but but here's the thing. If I'm thinking sci-fi a la Star Trek or any of those other movies where teleportation is a is a means of technology, it's energy being transported, then yeah, I would expect a ding or a pew or, or something like that. Puff of smoke left in its wake. Uh, <laughs> do you do you tinkle? <laughs> you found your butt? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> we want this show to stay family friendly, so I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> Uh, no i I see what you're saying especially with with modern iterations of nightcrawler where they do have the bamf Mm -hmm. you know the 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 smoke so i i I get that out Uh, of everything that was the only thing that really bothered me as far as the soundscape of the show yeah everything else felt good let's rewind all the way back to the beginning of the show the opener where very well done. They're introducing all the characters. Charles is going, this is Cyclops. This is who and who. Right. In a way that makes sense. I appreciate when a show does that. Yeah. Um, it was epic. It was. Like, like they could have, I want somebody to do a supercut of those different things and uh, overlay the 90s X-Men car, uh, theme song over that. And oh, you have yeah. basically that laid out. Like it was yes. really pretty epic. It was really well done. The sound it effects was. were on, the the action, the responsive characters. Yeah. Everything was I mean, I was jiving with it. If they kept that pace, I was like, we could rock this whole thing out. Yeah. And yeah. Let me let me ask you something. At the time that this show came out, uh did Wolverine know that his mutant ability was healing, or did he still think that it was his claws? And specifically metal claws. Like because I, I don't know that the timing there. At what point did Wolverine know that his metal claws were artificial and not just part of his mutation? I really, I think that he knew at this point. I feel like I read, and again, in the, a, in the cartoon, they made it sound like his metal claws were the mutation, which mm-hmm. once again is why I grew up thinking that was his mutation. I didn't know Wolverine had a healing factor until the '92 X Men. Mm-hmm. I thought his mutation was the claws, specifically metal claws. Right. I'm going to Google it while we talk about this. Um, I, man, I really don't know. I get, because the way I read comics as a kid was at my local library. Shout out to Ashgrove Library System um, because Ashgrove, Missouri, because they had comic books and they had, they had Giant Size X-Men number one. And so I grabbed a lot of different things at different time frames. Yeah. Um, that's a good question, though. Uh, for those, uh, if I don't get through the Google, uh, those of you in the audience listening, let us know. And if you're if you're one of our Australian listeners, which we have a couple of you guys, uh, were you offended by Wolverine's accent? I want to know that. That's a good question too. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I wasn't offended, obviously, because again, I never met the character before. I thought that's how he sounded, but 
looking back on it, I was like, that that's a weird choice. I don't know why they decided to do that. Right. Um, and another thing that irked me was how many times were we going to use the old kitty can phase through solid matter? Oops, she bumped into a computer console. <laughs> I mean, that happened a couple of times. Right. And I'm like, okay, you know, at some point, somebody's got to say, hey, 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 kitty, stand right here. Stand next to the water cooler. <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't stand next to the computer. Because, you know, that, that happens in the danger room. She puts the danger room on the fritz. Mm-hmm. And then when Magneto and Juggernaut attack, she does it again. You know, and it, it, it's, it's odd. Any word on um, the Wolverine thing? I'm still looking through the Wolverine thing. I know that at first, um, originally his claws weren't supposed to be his mutant power at all. And he knew they weren't his mutant power in the original ones because they were supposed to be part of his suit. But somebody screwed up and forgot to paint or forgot to uh, make his glove a different color. Ah, okay. So that's what happened with Wolverine originally. Um, Okay. I can't figure it out. I know Quickly in Fatal Attractions, first. in Fatal Attractions, uh, Magneto rips the metal out. Yes, and that, he still has claws. So he found out that okay, so I really do have claws, but he didn't know until that moment. Yeah. I, well, you know what, Branson? Mm-hmm. I'm wondering. In the '90s cartoon, there was a um, uh, there was an ep- there was a series of episodes where they were in this weird island where mm-hmm. everyone lost their mutant powers, and Wolverine yeah. pops his claws out, and he says. These aren't natural. Right. And he continues to fight with them. Suggesting uh-huh. in the 90s, it wasn't quite known or canonical that right. he always had the claws beforehand. Right. And I want to say when the, the there was a couple of episodes in the series where they explored his origins mm-hmm. and he thought the claws were a result of the experimentation, was a result of Weapon X. It may be, Branson, that that Fatal Attraction episode or series that you talked about, because I remember when that happened, I freaked out when reading that, that those were always there. So, yeah. So, late 90s. This is before he knew his claws weren't. um, Oh, wow. Yeah. So, we're we're watching episodes where stuff had not yet been revealed. Right. Which translation means the guys at Marvel hadn't made that part up yet. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) So, that's interesting. So, that, that was another thing I noticed is they... He didn't say that Wolverine's healing factor was mm-hmm. his mutant power. It was the claws. Hmm. So. Well, that's weird then because. Yeah. I, but I don't then know. again, they may have simplified it for the show. Yeah. I mean, kids. Yeah. You know, we, we don't want to take the time to talk about how, well, he has claws because of science experimentation, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we'll just say that it's his mutant power. Right. At least yeah. in like the first episode. Right. All right. Cool. I did like um, the big final battle on Asteroid M. Yeah. Um, I appreciated that they actually, <clears throat> excuse me, I appreciated that they actually gave a reason for the whole X-Men team being there. Mm-hmm. You had a pair off. You had, you know, they got there and it was Dazzler versus Pyro. Right. And then it was Colossus versus Juggernaut. Mm-hmm. And then it was Wolverine versus Toad was that was the other one I didn't get because he clearly beat Toad. He trapped Toad in a cave and then he just doesn't go anywhere. Right. 
I'm like, you know, Dazzler was fighting Pyro. They were in the middle of the fight. Right. Colossus and Juggernaut, they were still going toe-to-toe. Cyclops and the White Queen, they were still going at it, which I find it interesting that those two fought each other. Yeah. Given their, what happens in the future. Yeah. Um, get married. <laughs> but, and even like, uh, setting it up to where Nightcrawler's the last one to get through, mm-hmm. and the way he beats the blob is he just goes around him. Yeah. Like, I love that. He says, you, you know, you go no further. You cannot move me. And Nightcrawler's like, and I would not dream of trying. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think they made him a little creepy when he first met Kitty? The way he decided <laughs> to meet Kitty, I don't blame her for being creeped up by the dude. I'm like, creeper, no creeping. Get off me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, well, one, he looks like a demon. So anyone coming up to you looking like that, because you got the idea that Kitty wasn't even 100% sure she was a mutant. Right. So I don't think she had a lot of experience with mutants before the X-Men. Sure. But I'm talking about the way the voice actor played his voice. His voice sounded like he had a van that said free candy. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was trying he was trying to do the whole German accent thing. It it wasn't creepy for me. Uh-huh. And again, this is probably cuz I saw it as a kid, but I just <laughs> saw it as he's just trying to be friendly. Right. And his appearance is the problem. Now later uh, his voice was better. The way yes. that he talked I I don't know if it was just the bit bit jumping after it with that first bit, but yeah. At first, I was like, oof, that was rough. I mean, uh, when he's when he's using his body to complete the circuit. Yeah. And Oh, man. And he tells Kitty to run. I'm like, oof. Yet again, probably another reason why Nightcrawler's my favorite. That you've got he to always, get everyone off the station now. I'm like, right? Ah, Nightcrawler. <laughs> that, that, that is one thing, though, that I, that I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. If he can teleport off the asteroid into deep space Mm -hmm. and then he starts to fall into the atmosphere Mm -hmm. why can he not and and, and obviously he did he teleported from space onto the shuttle Mm -hmm. why did it take him waiting until the grappling arms were coming out to think hey i know well canonically he can only teleport so far oh okay there's there's a there's a distance he can only teleport a to places he's seen. Uh-huh. B, there is a distance of how far he can teleport through. So, he so how did just... he how did he teleport off of asteroid M all the way to close enough to Earth that he started to fall into the atmosphere? Like he had to be close enough to Earth that Earth's gravity was pulling him in. He looked out the window and he says, Look, that's the space. Okay, so why didn't he look back and say, Hey, look, there's the blackbird? Because moving objects. Okay. <laughs> Once again, this is for kids. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> We're thinking through this quite a bit. <laughs> right. We needed a we needed a heart wrenching moment to make Kitty feel bad for all the mean things she said. I know. Exactly. Let's almost kill Nightcrawler. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was definitely his his actions on the and the ending was. It made it worth it. I think it was it was a good way of wrapping that story up. It gave yeah. the heart behind the story. Yeah. Um and it it was it, it was true to life to the comics. Um I'll say this for official X-Men series, they've not done us wrong with representing the comics well. Right. 
Absolutely. And this really does do a great job of doing that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I, I agree totally. I looking back, I, I wish they would have they could have continued it. But like we said before, I don't know that they could have kept this up. Yeah. For very long. Uh the pacing was so quick. The animation was so well done. And I get, you know, if it's a pilot, you want to put your best foot forward. Sure. Uh, but I don't know that they could have kept that up. I think the pacing, they would have slowed down if they got picked up. Yeah. Uh, and fleshed out more stories. That's common. You know, the first episode yeah. is just like so much thrown at you at one time to right. catch it. Because this is their only sales pitch they get. Mm-hmm. Um, but the I'm I'm more concerned about the animation style in the long run. Yeah. Everything. Side note, fun thing I just discovered. Um, the guy who played uh, Nightcrawler, Neil Ross, also played a character in Spider Man, the animated series. Oh. One Mr. Norman Osborne dash Green Goblin. No way. Straight up. Mm hmm. Night. I I can't hear it. Which is a testament. Yeah. That's he a testament played, to his skill. <laughs> right. He also plays Shang Tao in the Mortal Kombat uh, cartoon series, um, which very few people remember watching. And holy crap on a stick. He was in Iron Man and Fantastic Four. The movies or the sh- shows? Cartoons. Yeah. In Fantastic Four, he was Doctor Doom. Oh, really? And then Iron Man, he was Fin Feng Foom. Oh, really? Yeah. Gosh. I'm trying to remember those voices now. And he was Mac in SWAT Cats. Ah. I remember SWAT Cats, too. That was a cool show. Yeah. <laughs> I had heard they're trying to reboot it. I oh, had yeah. Feelings. I hope they do well. I hope they do well. Y- you know... Some things don't need to be rebooted. We just need to appreciate them for what they were. <laughs> hey, you remember that Thundercats that was really awesome back in the 2000s? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was done right. That was, honestly, that was, that was, okay. We fully recognize that our audience base are the kids that were kids back in the 80s. They're adults now. Right. <laughs> We've got to make something that they're going to enjoy. We can throw in some fun stuff for the kids, but let's be honest, you right. know, it's not going to be, Daddy, I want to watch Thundercats. It was, come here, son, we're watching Thundercats. That's <laughs> a true story. Like it All was right, in right, my so house. <laughs> let's give our final rating for this cartoon pilot. This failed cartoon pilot. Branson I, Boykin, we're going to do this. We're, we're using bottom the shelf bottom style. shelf ratings, right? Yes. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with the bottom shelf, which we do encourage you guys to go check out, we have a lot of fun conversations, very similar to this. And the rating system is really simple. You look at things, you go, oh, top shelf. This is, this is great. Everyone needs to watch this all the time. This is fantastic. Middle shelf. Uh, okay. I can see why some people don't like it. It's all right. It's cool. I like it. I might pop it in there so often, but you know, whatever. Bottom shelf go, oh yeah, this is not good. I'm still going to have it because, you know, you know, I either have money to burn or there's some sort of nostalgic reasons, but bottom shelf, it's not a good movie. And then there's dumpster fire where things go to die. So, <laughs> Branson, what are we putting this at? Uh, you know, going back, watching this, 
everything from the music to the animation style to the voice characterizations to it just brought me back. I felt like I was five years old again. <laughs> um, if, if, if it is nostalgia, then I am blinded by nostalgia because I loved watching it. Uh, I loved comparing it to the 92 series and seeing the things that carried over. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just, it scratched an itch that nothing else, not even the X-Men movies, not even the nothing else can scratch. I, I got to put this on top shelf. I, wow. if, if you, if, if you want to know what an X-Men show should look like, Oh, wow. Do pride of the X-Men is where to go. Now I need to ask you with that statement. Yeah. With that statement, Branson Boykin. Yes. Are you putting pride of the X-Men above X-Men 92? The animated series. Because your words are, this is what it should look like. I'm going to say yes, because, because, okay. as we pointed out earlier, a lot of what happened in X-Men 92, they took from Pride of X-Men. There's only so much you can take from a 20-minute show, Branson, and there were five seasons. But, but, well, obviously they didn't take everything, but, you know, some, (laughs) some of the plot points... Right. Uh, the animation style. Uh, I, I I would argue you could not have had X-Men 92 without Pride of the X-Men. Mm-hmm. The reason X-Men 92 was possible is because they had Pride of the X-Men to go off of. They said, let's take everything that we love about this show that never took off, which mm-hmm. was a lot, mm-hmm. and translate it into a, something that's more modern which is where we mm-hmm. get the 90s X-Men with the updated costumes, the updated roster, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing. So saying it is better, maybe not exactly correct, but I will say you would not have X-Men 92 were it not for Pride of the X-Men. Okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. So for me, I'm going to put this as a middle shelf uh, show. Um, it's not one where like, I need to watch this again. I'll bust out X-Men, uh, not from 1992. Won't necessarily bust this out, but I did enjoy it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was good. Um, again, go in it with the mindset of this is made for probably young B's age. I would say maybe, maybe even a little bit younger. Yeah. Uh, Pro- probably prob- seven, eight would be the max age. I would think. Yeah. I would say maybe even for youngest B, um, yeah. for uh, well, that, that's the age I was when I first watched it. And yeah. Clearly, it had an effect. So. Yeah. So, so youngest B, uh, this is my classification system for Branson's children. Uh, youngest <laughs> B. Uh, <laughs> people are like, who are we talking about? Um, those so, boys. Yep. Um, so proud of those boys. Um, so, go with understanding that's the target range, target audience. I can put this on a middle shelf. Like, yeah, this is this is this was a good show. This is worth me pulling out, showing somebody. Um, I'm trying to think of something from more modern, but my childhood that I would try to relate this to probably on level of like maybe a SWAT cats where it's like, Oh, this was cool. Yeah. Um, you know, it didn't pick up or do anything with it later, but it was cool. Mm-hmm. So, all right, well guys, it's disputed here, but we want to hear your thoughts. Did you like it? Did you not like it? What are your thoughts? Uh, let us know. Um, Branson, we do a segment on the show called um, Weak Connection. 
Do you have mm-hmm. a weak connection? The weak connection that I have for this show. Well, before you do it, let's yes. have the weak connection bumper. Oh, of course. Bring it in, Matt. Bring it in. This is a weak connection. All right. All right. All right. So explain the weak connection for us before you jump into it. All right. A weak connection on the bottom shelf is where we try to find something redeemable about the terrible movie that we have just watched. Something that we can relate to our relationship with Christ, our walk, our journey to be more Christ-like, our relationship with God. Something that we can draw to to make the terrible movie redeemable. (laughs) Now, this was not a terrible movie. This was not even a terrible show. It doesn't need to be redeemed in that sense. But... (laughs) Because it was so good, I feel like Mm. there are a lot of things that you can make very strong connections from. Sure. But since we're calling it a weak connection, um, the sense of sacrifice, Mm. the idea of I love someone so much that I will put myself in harm's way to see that they are taken care of, you know, I've made it no secret that Nightcrawler is one of my favorites. Right. The scene where he's using his own body to complete the circuit, uh, to make sure that the asteroid doesn't slam into Earth. And Kitty Pride is trying to convince him to leave, and he's like, no, get out of here, go. And he realizes that he could probably die. Yeah. But he doesn't hesitate. He doesn't even question. I'm doing this because I want to make sure And the thing is, it's not just he's saving the Mm X-Men. He's saving an entire planet of people, roughly half of which hate and despise him. Yeah. Because he's a mutant. Mm -hmm. Some of them hate and despise him, not because he's a mutant, but just because of the way he looks. Mm. But when it comes time to to do what needs to be done, he doesn't hesitate. Mm -hmm. Boom, I'm there. I've got it. Yeah. Uh, That kind of selflessness, I think, is exactly the kind of life one that Jesus modeled for us mm. and that he selflessly died on the cross for our sins, even when we did not deserve it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also as his followers, as his disciples, we're supposed to model that, you know, love your neighbors. You would love yourself. Uh, John fifteen thirteen says, greater love hath no man than this, than he that would lay down his life for his friends. And uh, Nightcrawler did that. And then so, because he laid down his life, not just for his friends, but for an entire planet. Mm. Uh, now, thankfully, we got the happy ending that he didn't die because, <laughs> you know, the sparkly teleportation. <laughs> <laughs> he tickled but, when he poofed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but just that whole concept of I give of myself to provide for others. I give of myself to make sure that other people have what they need, that other people are able to live. Right. I think is a perfect picture of what it means to follow Christ. Totally. And so... Nightcrawler is my weak connection for Pride That's awesome. X-Men. That's a good one. I like that a lot. And it, it's a great example of of that. And, and the kind of verse comes to mind with that one is the whole like, um, my brain just stopped functioning because it's 11 o'clock at night when we're recording this. But, <laughs> <laughs> but talking about, you know, for a good man, somebody would die. Right. You know, for a friend. But Christ died for the world. Right. And, you know, it was a matter of looking at everyone. And, while we cannot die for the world, we cannot do, make that sacrifice for them the way Christ did. It is an example to us of going, it doesn't matter what you do, who you are. I'm going to do my best to be loving and caring towards you. 
And so that's kind of where your devotion kind of made me uh, go through. Yeah. Um, my weak connection is actually less about the show if it's content, but what it is. Um, as we've said, and we've said this several times on the bottom shelf, even there's a lot of shows that were like, man, these are, these are the building blocks for something later. They yeah. were a memorial stone for something that came later where people were like, Hey, look at this. And I'm reminded of, of when the people of Israel first crossed the river and they were commanded to make, take rocks from the river and make us a, a monument. And it was to forever be a place to go. This is where we came from. The, they were commanded to take their sons to the rocks and go, you see this pile here? We collected these 12 stones from the middle of the river. And it's a monument to show us where God has taken us from. Not for us to live in that moment and go, this is the best it could ever be. But to go, look what God has done. And look how much more he can do in our life as a reminder. And this show really was that for, for uh, I would say, for these animators. Look how great this was. Let's make something better. And we had X-Men. Um, and there's a lot built on it. You yourself, man, you're looking at this like, man, this is so great. And even in our conversation, you, you discovered some of the impact this show has had on you. Mm-hmm. Not that you live in this moment, but it's created some great things that you continue on. And I want to encourage those listening. You know, there are things in your life that you've walked through and there are monuments that you need to go back and revisit. You need to examine and go, Man, God was good at this time because life sucks right now for you. <laughs> <laughs> and you need to remember, God was there. He's still here today. He got me through that then. He can get me through this now and I can continue moving forward. Amen. And so that's my devotion for you guys is just don't, don't give up. Don't stop. R- remind yourself of what God has done in your life. Stir up yourself and keep moving forward with whatever you have happening. Amen. Love it. Cool. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been our Com Talk episode. And uh, I want to say this before we sign off or anything like that, before Branson gives us stuff. Branson, I want to say thank you for being part of today's show, for being part of the Ministry of Geek Devotions as a whole. We have a great team uh, serving under Geek Devotions. We have writers such as Mike Monacci. We have Squid. Kevin does a little bit of writing for us. You do lots of writing for us also. And then we have John and, and other people who help out with the podcast stuff. And it's a fantastic team. And I appreciate everyone here. But since you're here in front of me, I want to say thank you, Branson, uh, for um, the voice that you have. Uh, for those of you who don't, uh, this is your first episode. Branson does a segment about once a month called Bees, Views, and Reviews. And that was an outgrowth of Branson's um, heart to go, hey, parents, let me show you something um, that you can watch with your kids as yeah. a as a father. And uh, brother, I so appreciate you being willing to be a voice, to be able to speak to parents and to to put that out there for people as a resource. And uh, um, you've been a blessing to me in my personal life. Uh, I, I call you brother. I mean it. Uh, we've been friends since uh, since you're running around in tights. I mean, since we were in high school. I mean, uh, since uh, back in the day. <laughs> like since I said, kids. Stab me in the neck. I don't know. I'm going places here. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
Make lifelong friends so you will always remember your mistakes. <laughs> they will never let you forget them. <laughs> so, but I really do appreciate you, Branson. Thank you for being part of my life and Celeste's life. Branson, how can people get a hold of you? And, and uh, are there any interesting projects coming down the pipeline for you that you want to let people know? Uh, well, as you mentioned, I've got my section of Com Talk called Bees, Views, and Reviews, uh, where I take faith-based, family-friendly comics and the creators that make them, and I help promote them. Uh, I've gotten to have some conversations with some really, really cool people yeah. doing that uh, and got to promote some really, really cool projects. Uh, the thing is, there is content out there. There are comic books out there that are well done. They're well drawn. Mm. They're not kitty comics. They're, they're entertaining enough that an adult can read them, but they are, they paint our faith in a positive light. They have mm. a good message. They're the kind of things that you can sit down and read with your kids, uh, which is important to me because I have two boys who like comics just like I do, you know, <laughs> and uh, I want to be able to share that with them. So if you've got anything that that either you know about that you want me to review, or if you are a creator yourself and you want me to help promote your stuff, shoot it to me. You can shoot it to me at branson.boykin at gmail.com. You can also... Uh, reach me through Geek Devotion social media. I'm on there all the time trying to comment on stuff and <laughs> potentially start arguments. And <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you can reach me there. As far as future projects, uh, I do have something in the works that I'm, I'm working on. Uh, it's been kicking around in my head for a little while now. And then Dallas kept asking me about it. Like, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, I'm actually working on a, a fiction uh, story that will be kind of like a, you know, those audio books you buy in the, in the bookstore where you've yeah. got a guy that reads the book. It'll be something along those lines, but uh, it's in the works. So hopefully God will bless it and we'll see where it goes heck yeah man i'm excited to hear it so awesome awesome well guys make sure you check out branson follow his stuff uh again if you are a creator uh reach out to branson we love to look at stuff we will be honest <clears throat> we will be we'll be true um uh we're not gonna be rude about things but we'll be honest about reviews that we do <laughs> <laughs> um but uh branson i appreciate you being here and doing all Thanks this stuff for having me, bro uh, for those of you listening, hey, thank you for listening to Talk. Uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Hope it's encouraged you, it's challenged you. Maybe you want to go check out Pride of the X-Men. It's found on uh, different places. You can find it on YouTube. Interesting enough, with a uh, a weird promo of go out and register to vote. Um, yeah, I saw Spider that. Spider-Man <laughs> convincing people to vote. I'm like, it, I'm six. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like the uh, the outfit from the 1970s Spider-Man show. right? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the eyes were a little bit more narrow, but outside of that, it looked like that suit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, but go check it out. Let us know your guys' thoughts. Let us know. Um, hey, check our website, geekdevotions.com. Follow us, us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look for Geek Devotions. We try really hard to make it easy for you guys. Also, just a favor, leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. It uh, helps people to find out about our podcast. And hey, if our show, any aspect of Geek Devotions, whether it's uh, Com Talk, maybe it's the bottom shelf, maybe it's uh, our actual devotions we put out every Friday on YouTube, has encouraged you, has challenged you, maybe an article has inspired you, go to our website, go to the contact page on our website, 
and let us know. Leave a review. Uh, we're trying to build up our our uh, kind of our review reviews page uh, there. So let us know. Okay. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, Bryson, help me out. Stay devoted. Peace and love. Let's go.